0: Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading, no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Lord Mayor, Keith Topolski. Yes, hello wherever you are listening right across the world, whether it's good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. And welcome to the very first Bench Podcast Splinters, the Bench Podcast. I wonder where we got the name from. It's replaying on Triple H 100.1 FM of a Tuesday evening and streaming live on triple H FM.com.au. You can also download us from our podcasts.com site that we are going to post links from that site uh, every week on the Bench Facebook page so that you know exactly when we're going to be available. Or you can subscribe by going to podcasts.com and eventually we hope to get our On iTunes and every other uh, podcast medium around the world that's worth getting on, that we don't have to pay any money for, of course, because we are on big money at Triple H 100.1 FM. My name is Keith Topolsky. I'm the Lord Mayor of Leichhardt, the Councillor of Campbelltown, and God knows what else. Names that have been bestowed upon me. by our very first Splinters guest. Uh, he's decided to just bestow all those names on me, even though he knows that I absolutely despise them. Uh, he is Community Radio's number one cricket analyst. He is the sea, he is the
1: sage, he is the wise one. Hello, Matt Mears. Whoa, 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 whoa. Guest. That's how guest, you introduce guest. me. It's, it's the big deal with the, the Splinters podcast, first ever one... And I get introduced as the guest.
0: Yes, because I am the host. And if you want to be the host, then you can be the host next time. And you can introduce me as the guest. I don't know. I don't care.
1: I'm not a guest. You I are the just guest a because I'm bunch the host. Of the bench as you. I am not a guest. You are I the guest, a guest because I'm, I'm the host. Guest. How am I ever a guest? I'm not a guest. I'm the co-host. I'm the co-host, not guest. If you're going to just call me the guest, I might as well just leave now. And it'll be the worst first podcast ever.
0: Well, thanks for tuning in everybody we 'll catch you next time on <laughs> Splinters then, given that misys decided to have a temper tantrum well that 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 works really well for our first ever podcast, but uh, I would hope that you would be a bit more no, I would not to do that
1: too. I would not do that to our adoring fan base. I know that it 's something we 've probably mentioned on the bench a few times that this was something we were going to get looking into and Just due to whatever happens on Triple H, we've only got our two hours on a Friday night. Sometimes we don't get to as many things as we would like to on the show, but now we've got something a bit more here we can expand on things and people can hear a lot of things that we've got to say. We do have a lot of opinions about a lot of things that usually on the bench, Tony just talks right over us, so we don't get to say it, but now we've got the platform absolutely and with four people on the bench usually a host
0: and three panelists or three guests as it were hence why I label you a guest I'm not a guest as as you say me it is difficult to get through everything that we want to talk about so it's wonderful that we've got this extra hour of content or close to uh, probably about 55 minutes once you put in the ads and the intros and the outros and all that sort of thing but that's why we do have the podcast there's more we want to get through and we we can discuss things in a bit more depth so take us through exactly what our listeners can expect on this and in future podcasts
1: well it's 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 not just going to be the same old format every week you know i think that's going to be a good thing for the people that want to tune in as said like on the bench where sometimes we'll do a review we'll do a in we'll do a, a, an information piece or we'll give some scores or we'll go in depth on something it's something that's similar we can do on here on the Splinters podcast, whether it be a discussion piece like we're doing uh, for this first episode, or it might be a preview or a review, or maybe even interview that's come from somewhere off the bench. And I think you'll go into that a bit more detail, Keith, but it's going to be something tied back to the bench, but it's somewhere that we can talk a bit more, in a bit more open and a bit more free form, whether it is... With a, with a special guest and in an interview or whether it's just, say, yourself or myself or, or a couple of the other panellists can go really in-depth and go into that sort of detail that people want to listen to, but we just don't get that opportunity in our little two-hour time slot on Friday night.
0: Yeah, it is unfortunately. Who would have thought that all those years ago when we started with a one and a half hour show, uh, six thirty to eight on a Friday night, that we'd get to a point where we'd have a six to eight show and we still wouldn't have enough time and now we have to do a podcast and who knows, this would grow into a two hour podcast by the no time don't, it gets do, don't,
1: don't tell that don't don't tell me that. But I think what's gonna be good about the podcast is that you're not gonna just hear us two every week. It will be All of the guys that you hear on a Friday night will be contributing in one way or another, whether they'll be doing the interviews or coming on for the previews. So we'll be rotating it around. We'll be keeping it nice and fresh.
0: And there will only be a maximum of two of us on any given podcast. There may only be one of us, given that we may be doing interviews as well. And for example, I think it was Jeremy Hook, was it? The interview that was done on uh, the show a couple of weeks ago. We may only need the one of us to do that interview.
1: Well, that one was on the that was on the bench. It was on a Friday night, so we have put that up. If you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thebench, HHH, you can listen to that. We will be doing a couple of special episodes as we go along where there will be some of those long-form interviews that we'll do on the actual show proper. We'll put them up as bonus episodes, but if it's a numbered episode like this one, episode number one, it will be original content, which I think is what we've got to stress to a lot of our listeners out there. Is that, yeah, sometimes that it can come around and yeah, listen to such and such a podcast. It's just a rehash of the show. If it's a numbered splint, if it's a numbered splinters episode, it's original content. Absolutely. And you did say that this is episode number one, so let's get into yeah. the topic. Oh, Keith, Keith, no, Keith. don't do this you to no, me. No, 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 Keith, don't do this to me. No, 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 Keith. You know what I'm going to do this technically so, may be episode number yeah. 1 and we'll go out as episode number 1 but you tell our little listenership out there what what episode is this really what is it really this is episode number one. I'll
0: hear no more no lies. It's not no. like anybody's recording ma- material or recording technology broke down on them when we recorded episode 0.5 or anything like that. So don't start spreading those lies, although they're not actually lies. They're actually completely true. My Skype recorder did break down on me, so we lost the first episode, so we're redoing it. But you have lied, and that I'm not going to hear Keith,
1: anything of it. Keith, all I've got is one line for you. This oh, isn't yeah. the greatest podcast in the world. This is just a, tri- <laughs> <It's> a tribute. <laughs> yes, we uh. recorded this yesterday, and we probably did probably what was one of the best first podcasts ever. And Keith's computer dies on us, and here we are the uh. next day recording it again. So if it's horrible, all complaints can go to one K. Topolski, care of Leichhardt Oval. And um, all uh, I can say is we, I hope it's as good as the last one because it was pretty good. It was some quality content there. I don't know if I can just turn it on and be that funny again, Keith. I think you're, I think you're really going to have to turn it on here because I think we owe it to our, our fans tuning in for episode 1.2.
0: Well, as long as I'm turning it on and not turning you on, that that's oh all we God. need to worry about. So, no,
1: no, <laughs> <okay>. Your dirty <laughs> gutter mind comes in again. Tony's not here threatening to get nude every second episode like he does. We're trying to save the people from that, and you just go straight down that, Ryan, and we're not even uh... five minutes into the podcast. Come on.
0: Well, we actually are. I'm doing a recording of this and I'm doing a timer as well just to make sure. So we're actually eight minutes into the podcast. Oh, so there you go. But um, all right, let's get... we've into- had eight
1: minutes in the sweep. you won.
0: Well, okay, I'll, I'll take that. But we will start off our first podcast, re-record second podcast if you want. But it is episode one. Point two. And- 1.2, fine. And uh, not last week, but the week before, you would have heard uh, on the bench uh, discussion Uh, involving uh, Tony Dosen, Dom Rizzuto and myself about the Australian government putting in a bid for the next FIFA Women's World Cup and from that we've decided to get into uh, a little bit of a side issue I suppose if you like, not necessarily regarding that particular event itself but more around the stadium's policy and bidding for major events and what's needed for some of these major events and a Soccer World Cup or a Football World Cup as it is is probably not a bad starting point because they have very strict criteria on what qualifies for a stadium, such as a particular capacity or a particular... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, build of stadium or... Criteria um, that they have to follow. A, a criteria or the, the way the ground is constructed. Um, orientation is the word I'm looking for. So the orientation of the stadium as a rectangular stadium. Now, that plays into the New South Wales government stadium policy suburban versus major grounds now Mirzi we've had this discussion before not just on the unrecorded podcast but on the show previously as well where do you stand on the stadiums policy because if we want major events then we're going to need world-class stadiums but at the same time
1: you only fill them once in a blue moon well, they certainly do, and and you can see that you can see the want from the governments to have these big stadiums. You can see they want to draw these big tournaments to the country. They want eyeballs on because the 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 knock-on effect that that brings it brings tourists, it brings eyeballs, it brings more interest into the country, and hopefully dollars. And and you get the people coming from the tournament, you get the people watching the tournament going. Australia looks like a good place to visit. I, I want to go there myself after watching. So. Mm. You can get the reasons of why they want to do it, but it comes down to, like you said, they're only going to fill them once in a blue moon. Like the like Homebush, ANZ Stadium, the Olympic Stadium there. How many times do they fill it a year? Two, three, like a state of origin, a, mm. an NRL grand final, perhaps maybe a, a one-off, another of a national code. It Most of the 90, 95% of the time, it's... Maybe got ten to fifteen thousand people in it and sixty thousand empty seats. What's what's the point? And then now we're going down the route where they want to rebuild that. We're just finishing a new Western Sydney Stadium on the side of the old Parramatta Stadium. We've got the new Allianz Stadium, the SFS being built. Where where do we go from here? Is it the fact that we want these big we want these big tournaments to come here? We want to have the we want to have the places for these big tournaments these big things to go also a place for our big matches but what about our smaller matches you look at Melbourne and they have the big two stadium policy they've got Etihad Stadium Marvel Stadium Colonial Stadium Dockland Stadium however you want to call it they have the MCG is it more the fact that the government is looking at that sort of blueprint and trying to copy it into Sydney rather than, and then go down this, we're going to be majoring, we're going to be going for the big tournaments route, but use it as a sort of a cover for, well, if we go the Melbourne route, we only have to have these two big stadiums, and then all these other little grounds that are around the city, we don't have to pour money into anymore, we don't have to pay for maintenance, we don't have to pay for upgrades, because you see the old AFL, the VFL grounds around Melbourne, the Arden Streets, the... Um, the, the old um, Junction Ovals and stuff like mm. that. Well, Junction Ovals just got some money from Cricket Victoria, but most of them have just they they go into just sort of training grounds or whatever. They don't have the money spent on them. Whereas in Sydney, where you've got your Brookvale Ovals, Cronulla Panther stadiums, where they're still being broadcast out to a national stage, they they're demanding this money. The government can go in and here and go, well, Melbourne only really spend money on two. We only really want to spend money on two. Let's just use this international thing as a cover and then we can sort of forget about these grounds. But I think you've probably got more to say on it, Keith, as well. But it it, it just comes down to can Sydney sustain all their sport and all all the usage and all the coverage with only two grounds? Well, it's not just with the
0: two grounds, because you could use Western Sydney Stadium as the third major stadium, and that's the way the New South Wales government has painted it, but part of the New South Wales government stadiums policy, and something that has been overlooked and forgotten about almost, um, given that it probably won't happen until the political cycle results in a change of government, and then maybe another change of government after that, depending on how long it takes uh, Badgerys Creek Airport to be built, is that they did have designs on another Western Sydney. Stadium. So you've got the main Western Sydney Stadium at Parramatta, and then a greater Western Sydney Stadium, whether that would be at Penrith, whether that would be at Campbelltown, whether that would be at Badgerys Creek near the new airport, and that was going to be another 35,000 odd seat capacity stadium as well. And then you've got the possibility of a MacArthur bid coming into the A-League and Campbelltown Council saying they want to put a massive multi-million dollar upgrade together at Campbelltown to increase capacity by about negative 1,500 people, so they want to upgrade it and reduce capacity for some reason so where where do you have to draw the line between the suburban stadiums that people who follow the nrl and maybe even the shoot shield if they decide to move away from the traditional venues like the manly ovals and the rat parks and the maybe the chatswood ovals um, and where does that line get drawn between not only drawing major sporting events but major concert events because you can have the concert events that you know, the the smaller um, events um, such as Celine Dion and Shania Twain will go to Kudos, but you get the major events like Adele and the Chili Peppers, they need a venue of the
1: size of ANZ Stadium to fit everybody in. Well, I'm not saying we don't need a stadium that big, we, we Sydney probably needs one stadium of that capacity. They need that 80,000, 90,000-seat stadium like you see in Melbourne. They need to be able to have somewhere for the NRL Grand Final. They need somewhere for these big concerts. They need somewhere for State of Origin. But it's it, it's, it comes down to that next tier, and you've got the SFS that, that's going to play almost second fiddle because it's going to host some Roosters games. It's going to host Sydney FC in the A-League, but... They're never really going to attract a crowd other than maybe once or twice a year that's over say a twenty or a thirty thousand mark the roosters have their Anzac day game um, Sydney FC have their derby games against the Wanderers Any time that, that ground will probably see anything over that sort of capacity in a round type in a like in a home and away type fixture yeah they might have some other special events there too where they'll use the capacity but it it does come down to the fact where It's the supply versus the demand. It's great to have these big stadiums, but what what are you going to use them for? Because they talk about the stadium policy and then they go, okay, we're going to build this new big stadium at at Moore Park there. Oh, we've only got the Roosters and the the Waratahs and the Sydney FC there. Yeah, that's great, but they're not really going to draw the crowds. We'll need to get some more people in there. So that's when the talk of Granola comes and plays there, Manly comes and plays there, and then you go... This is not really this is a this is what you're taking away from Melbourne this is the Melbourne scheme of things but mm. Sydney's not Melbourne Melbourne's I, I I was lucky enough to be there a few weeks ago you can actually walk between the two stadiums it's a good half an hour walk but you can walk between the two stadiums and mm. the 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 public transport is just top notch you can you can get from basically anywhere you want to go you can get into the stadiums and you can get back out in Sydney if they were going to take I'll use myself as an example. If they were going to being a manly fan, a manly season, manly ticket holder, if they were going to take the games away from Brookvale and move them to. Moore Park, I'd seriously consider that uh, reconsider my ticketership because, and not because of this manly travelling over the Spit Bridge thing. I'm more than happy to do it. I travel to freaking Bella Vista every day to to go to work. I'm not afraid you of travelling. wrong with Bella Vista and the Hills District. Thank I'm you not, I'm just saying it is It's an hour. It's an hour each way to travel. So I'm not a, I'm not averse to travelling as much as the Northern Beaches um, vibe seems to be the Insula Peninsula. The fact is that it is an absolute pain to try and get from the northern beaches to Moore Park in any sort of time when they'll be playing these games. You try and go the Spit Bridge, you go Military Road, it's just an absolute car park. Even if they do put the, the buses on, they get stuck in the same problem. If they had the infrastructure, if they had the train where I could get on at Brookvale Oval and it took me 20, 25 minutes to get to Moore Park, I'd be more than happy to do that more than happy but the infrastructure is not there in sydney to run that two stadium policy so that's the need of the suburban grounds because sydney is more spread out they have them more manly towards the north and you got the panthers out to penrith you got the tigers now moving into southwest it's not like melbourne where it's very inner city tribal and it's not it's only a couple of kilometers here a couple of kilometers there Travelling around Sydney, even going from from a, a personal point, from going from Manly to a Penrith game, it could almost be an overnight trip if it's a night game. Sure, it's good to have a night out at Panthers as well. That's a bit of a sweetener on the deal, but that's the sort of distance we're talking around Sydney. It's not these little tram rides that you see in Melbourne. Now, we've always said that people are bred tough in Sydney's western suburbs, and
0: I have to say that that's true. If you consider the peninsula to Penrith to be a a road trip, an overnight stay, given that I'm a very proud graduate of the Penrith campus from Western Sydney University, and I live on, on in what's considered northern Sydney, really, at Castle Hill. So the fact that you consider that a road trip is an absolute disgrace, but it does well, provide... Yeah, go on, have a sleep, well, I was, I was gonna
1: say, it's, it, I wasn't saying it's a negative thing. I was saying it was actually a good thing. It was a good, well, I won't say excuse, but it was a good It was a good uh, excuse to, to go and have an event. It was You could go to have your road trip. You could go and see your, your team play. You could have your night at the Panthers, even though you'd probably find me in the little game section trying to win the basketball game downstairs rather than probably in some of the other places of the, of that the club. But. Well, the sure, Aqua Golf's course. not running at 2am. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. If it was, then I think it'd be some sort of other night golf or something that we won't get into on this show. Tony's probably there and we don't want to know about it. But <laughs> uh, but, but, but it, it's not a bad thing to say that it's a road trip. It, it's an excuse to go and, and, and get out there and, and something you probably wouldn't do because Sydney is that sort of spread out that, you almost need that reason to go and experience some of, some other parts of town because, I said Penrith is great. I'm not having no knocks on Penrith at all. But being from the north of Sydney, there's not a really a lot of things pulling me out there. But a manly game, of course. And then we get to go to Panthers afterwards. We can stay the night because we'll probably be a bit too uh, refreshed to be able to drive home that night. I don't see it as a bad thing. Rather well lubricated, shall we say. <laughs> but um, that, that, that
0: raises another interesting point. Well, two of them actually, and uh, one we'll get to a little bit later on. But you raise the geography of Sydney and the geography of Melbourne. And that, that's a very good point because, a, as you say, you've got Manly to Penrith, which takes forever. And that those are two clubs considered to be Sydney clubs in the NRL competition. You've then got Manly to St George Illawarra and what happens if the Dragons play in Wollongong? Now, for me, I would consider that to be an overnight trip coming from the north of Sydney, as opposed to someone who maybe lived in Campbelltown, who would only consider that to be a half-hour trip. But someone who lives uh, on the other side of Sydney, such as ourselves, would consider Wollongong even though St George Illawarra is technically a Sydney team, to be an overnight trip. That, That pales in comparison to the fact that Essendon, which I think is probably the most far afield of the Melbourne clubs in the AFL, is only about 10 or 15 kilometres from the city centre. And then the next furthest away would probably be Hawthorne, which is within the 10 kilometre radius, I think, of... um, Um, Swanston Street and um, all all those areas down there and then you've got the likes of St Kilda and Collingwood and Carlton and Richmond where if you get onto a good golf drive you could probably drive the ball through three of those suburbs so is that perhaps why the two or three major stadium policy in Sydney would work better than what it does in Melbourne uh, simple, and Melbourne would only need it because of the traffic on those grounds uh, in terms of the playing of the games whereas in Sydney you need it because you've got the population so spread out and the clubs are so spread out Bondi to Cronulla to Manly to Parramatta to Penrith to Campbelltown back to Leichhardt
1: well that's right it, it said, it, it's a completely different geographic base it's uh, Sydney's built on a penal colony it's it's not meant to be a planned city like Melbourne was like it's it? it, said, it it comes down to that supply and demand and it comes down to the demand for these stadiums is not in the the one or two or three, stri- like well, we'll go strategic in quotation marks, but these two or three dotted stadiums that there are through the middle of the city and maybe a fourth if we get one out towards the, the Badgerys Creek Airport. As I said, it comes down to if we're going to build these stadiums, who's going to play there? Because you, you've got, okay, the Sydney, the, the Moore Park one, yeah, we've gone through a few ones that will play there. The new redeveloped um, ANZ, yeah, they'll probably be the same sort of tenants there are now. The new Western Sydney Stadium on Parramatta Stadium, you've got Parramatta and the Wanderers there. You've got the West Tigers now playing their games that used to be at Homebush now being moved to there. But... When you start looking further afield, if they're going to say build this Badgeries Creek Stadium, who are they going to want you wanting to play there? Are they going to are they going to say well West Tigers instead of playing at Campbelltown, we want you to play here, Penrith instead of playing at Panther Stadiums, we want to play you here. We'll get this new Macarthur side come into the the A League. We want you to play here. When you've got these stadiums that are going to be at or around capacity of the crowds that they're going to draw for these games already there. It just, just comes down to rationalisation and you can see where they're coming from as a government, but it comes down to to money and not wanting to spend money on all these grounds, but it's not like we're saying we want you to spend the same sort of money that you're going to spend building the new stadium in Park on Brookvale Oval. I'd love it if they did, but I'm, I'm, I'm more realistic than that. I'm just saying there's more, you can use the money more wisely and we c- you can get more use out of these suburban grounds without having all these big stadiums and you can get the games where people want to go and you can go and watch some of these games and they're not going to be 15,000 people in an 80,000 seat stadium. Because it's, it's, it all comes down to that rationalization you, You're talking about the Shoot Shield earlier as well. You, you see the grounds they're played on. Manly Oval, Rat Park, where we go across. We go to North Sydney Oval and... And 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 Chatswood Oval is there as well. You, you, are you going to try and kick some of those teams out of playing at those iconic grounds in order to try and fill up the usage of these big stadiums? There's a reason why we saw Rat Park and Manly Oval for a da, for a Manly Ringer Derby get a bigger crowd than Brookvale Oval. It's people like going to these grounds. It it adds to the game day experience, and it's just something you can't get in these bigger stadiums. And people don't like going and and feeling just empty and cold and there's no atmosphere. I, I think that it's just, it can be done differently, but it doesn't have to cost any more money. Well, you make a good point about
0: the game day experience and exactly how that differs between the suburban and the major stadiums and what might actually happen if we did have a rebuild of a major stadium or maybe the upgrade of the suburban grounds. And that's something I do want to touch on, but we're almost out of time for the first half of uh, the Splinters podcast. So what we're going to do for every podcast is we're going to divide it in half, uh, two halves, Like all great sports are, there's two separate uh, parts of play or two separate parts of the podcast to match the great sports. So we're going to talk about a few other things in the second segment so you talk about the game day experience and we want to i want to touch on the u.s and canadian stuff as well there and then go back to major events uh, in terms of the broadcast opportunities and where australia is located geographically but i think we're going all right given we've got 30 seconds to our first intermission
1: i think we do i think you better throw to it keith and we'll be right back Welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast, uh,
0: replaying every Tuesday night on Triple H, 100.1 FM, streaming live on the web at hfm.com.au, Or you can download us from our podcasts.com website, which the link will be provided every week on our Bench Facebook page. Um, And you can just download from there. Or you can subscribe at podcasts.com, where you will be posting uh, links and uh, instructions on how to subscribe to our podcasts. But, Measy, let's get back to what we were talking about earlier uh, with the suburban stadiums versus the major stadiums and we briefly touched on it in that first half of the podcast. You spoke about going out to Panthers, making a Day trip or a road trip and making a night of it and an overnight trip. Of course, they've got the hotel out there and they've got 300 restaurants and 1,500 things to do inside Panthers. But something that might be feasible with some of the other stadiums, such as Brookvale Oval in particular, there's room there to develop not just a new stadium, but maybe an entertainment precinct with restaurants or special shops or outlets inside the actual venue itself, along with maybe making these suburban venues centers of excellence.
1: Well, we go we go to we go back to the last couple of months where you the, the, what's been bandied around is the game day experience. Why aren't people going to games? And what is does it cost too much to get a meat pie? Does it too much to buy a bottle of Coke? What, yes, what goes yes. on inside the what goes on inside this in the ground? In my opinion, that's too narrow in thinking of the game day experience. When I talked to it before the break, I was talking about the whole trip. It was the game, it was Panthers, it was the whole trip and experience, the whole sort of 24 hours really of that whole trip and experience. It's more than just the game. And there's a lot of places around where it can be more than just going to watch the game. Like if you go to Cronulla, you go to the, they've got the Leaves Club there, or you can go down to Cronulla or one of the other beaches down that way, and and you can ex- you can have dinner out, you can have that experience there. If you come across to Brookvale, you can go to Manly before or after the game and and have a meal there, or go to the pub or whatever you want to do. Brookie Mackers. I don't know how many people will be lining. Well, I know how many people line up at Brookie Mackers. I've lined up at Brookie Mackers <laughs> Mac- after a game, but. But that's, that's what I mean. Like, they am just saying, there is more to... There, all these talks and discussions just focus on the ground and what's in the ground. These trips to suburban grounds, as I was saying before, it's getting... It, talking about my Penrith experience, getting me off the beaches and to Penrith. Why not, would someone not from Campbelltown, if the Tigers are playing at Brookvale Oval, they can come across and they can experience, they can do whatever they like and then come to the game and and experience another part of Sydney. So there's that as well. Even for you, the Lord Mayor of Leichhardt, you you can go to a Tigers game at Leichhardt, then you've got all of the the Leichhardt and and all that nightlife around there as well to experience as well. So That's a fair walk. That's a fair walk. Yeah, but I'm just saying, if you're outside the area... It's 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 a lot closer than if you're going to say come from Wollongong. If you come up to watch the right. Dragons play at Leichhardt, it's a bit it's a bit closer than if you were living in Wollongong. But that's yeah. what I'm just saying. Like I'm saying, there is other things around that can add to the game day experience. What I think you were trying to lead me in before with with um, what's at the actual stadium. Yeah, it's nice and not bad to have your ten dollar packet of hot chips and your eight dollar bottle of water, but there's, there's room at grounds to do other things as well. Brookville Oval is an example that you were throwing me into there where to be viable as a suburban ground, they need more things happening there. They need more of a precinct around it. They've, they've got prime real estate on that southern end at the, the Fulton Menzies stand end. It faces the main road, Pitwater Road, the main heart artillery straight through the northern beaches. That would be perfect that they could rebuild that stand. They could even go, the The government, the state government could pay for the inside. The council, like the Northern Beaches Council, could pay for the outside. And in those outs, hey, we could do a whole nother episode about councils and <laughs> sport, all right? Maybe that's episode number two. But for now, yes. we'll we'll, go, we'll live in our high and fly and mighty stage where we think that councils might put money into stadiums. But what they can – well, I said this idea, they'd actually be making money because there's prime real estate along that main road, Pitwater Road there, where they Mm. could do retail, they could do restaurants, they could do all sorts of things in those those shops there and draw people as a destination. And guess what? If you have your, your Indian restaurant or your Chinese restaurant or even your fish and chips takeaway or whatever it is, guess what's out the back door? a stadium. So you could just get them to build a sort of servery type window into the ground. Sure they might charge a little bit more for game days or they can do some sort of deal. It'd be up to the it'd be up to the restaurant. They might pay a little bit more to be able to have this function and, and be able to serve on game day to to, to make up for the, the shortfall in the uh, concessions that, that won't be sold from the, the major outlets. But it adds to that game day experience if we're going to be thinking narrow-minded and what just happens at the game, why not have some extra options there? Because at Brookfell, you've got your pie and your chips that are that expensive because a lot of people probably don't know that those contractors that are in there pay money to the club to be able to be able to serve those food there. So you're not just paying for the food. You're not just paying for the staff to that, that's serving you. You're paying money back to the club for the right for them to even be there in the first place. Mm-hmm. So... That's that's in the end of the day why you're trying why you're getting the sort of quality of the stuff or what you're paying on is because the the amount of overheads that there are in order to get you that food and they're, they're trying to keep the cost down as much as possible and that's why you're eating the, the 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 cardboard container of hot chips that just tastes like you should have just eaten the cardboard that it came in but there's those sort of things as well like as I said it comes down to the whole experience and. If you can think a little bit outside the box, you can think not just what's being served at the game, it's what other things may be served at the game, It maybe what else can we do at the ground? As you said about centre of Excellence, that that's something they're talking about at the northern end of Brookvale Oval. Is that Manly's new centre of excellence will be built upon the park and 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 the the green space that's at the northern end behind the scoreboard, and then it will give more use to that area. They'll be able to do some trainings on Brookvale Oval. It'll be it'll be able to to house staff there and. There'll be more uses for Brookvale Oval. Hell, there's even behind the eastern side there where the hill is. They could build residential if you can get it past the Friends of Brookvale and good luck with that. But <laughs> there's more there's more uses of these grounds than just the games. And there's more ways we can add to the game day experience with just what the pies and chips that are sold at the game. I just think that sometimes we can be just... A bit too narrow-minded with what we're thinking of because, as I said at the moment, yeah, sitting on the couch at home watching the game on TV, it's not a bad option, but if you give people reasons to go to the grounds. You give reasons for them to get upgraded. You give them a more multi-purpose use. You give them a, you give them a destination feel and people will want to go there. Well, this is something that
0: um, is done very well in the United States and Canada, and I know you can speak about it from, in terms of what sort of stadiums we're looking at, a slightly broader perspective, because you've been to one of the major NFL venues, and you might have even been to some of the MLB venues as well, whereas I've only been to some of the NHL venues, but you were over there, I think it might have been a couple of years ago now, I think you went to the American Airlines Centre to see the Dallas Stars play, before you went to WrestleMania and I think it was the Dallas Cowboys home ground but from my perspective or my experiences I go to the Canadian Tire Centre which is the Ottawa Senators Ground which is about half an hour west of downtown Ottawa and you've got six or seven actual restaurants in there we're not talking food outlets we're talking I think they call it the Red Club and you've got and you've got Finnegan's Grill or something like that. Those are actual sit-down restaurants inside the actual venue. And then you've got your concession-type stands. Um, Smokes Poutinery is one that does um, a Quebec de- delicacy, which is poutine, which is basically French fries with gravy and you add cheese curds. Or you've got pizza outlets. And then you've got your burger outlets and uh, a smokehouse. And then you've got your retail outlets with Senator's merchandise. And you've got your your events happening around because you've got um, mascots walking around and every Saturday night they bring out former Canadian Prime Ministers in big bobbleheads to walk around so people can get photos with them. So is that something that the new suburban grounds should be modelled upon even if you can't do it quite to the same extent because of uh, space issues but certainly look to model yourself on that sort of facility where you've got all those facilities inside the venue?
1: I don't know about inside the venue with these suburban grounds. As you said, I'm lucky enough. I've been to a few of those sort of places. I've been to the I've been to the Staples Center in LA, the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. I still can't believe they
0: sell sushi at a basketball and hockey venue at the Staples Center. That is a disgrace. Well,
1: it's LA. What can you expect? But uh, I, I've, I've lucky enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. You don't have any comeback to that. But as you said, I've been to a few MLB. I've been to Yankee. Stadium in New York. I've been to Giant Stadium out at San Francisco as well, and the the luxury about those is where they're situated, and they they're already in the they're already in locales where even if they are inside the stadium, they have the doors and they can open seven days a week because they're already in downtown. Like in Dallas, as you said, the American Airlines Center, it's only a block or two away from downtown Dallas where you can go and have a meal in one of the restaurants. It's just that the doors that go into the arena are shut and the ones that are to the outside are open that day. And they can trade seven days a week. And that was sort of what I was getting to with the Brookvale Oval um, design there with the, with the shop fronts facing Pittwater Road. And yeah, they can have a bit of a survey at the back. So that's sort of design, but probably a lesser scale. I think what we saw in Sydney is probably the best, the best example of that of that sort of style was when the Kings used to play at the the Sydney Entertainment. The ensign being right in the middle of Darling Harbour. It was in Chinatown. It was next to all the the nightlife. You could go to the all the restaurants in Chinatown. You could go to the nightlife in Darling Harbour, and it was all within a couple of minutes' walk from you. So. That's sort of I think that's probably the Australia's closest to that sort of experience, where it might not be actually in the stadium or or having that facilities right there, but it's a it's a whole precinct and it's probably something that Australia this they they, they do something. We're going to the game. We're going to the game. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll we'll segue here because I'm sure this is where you want to go, and you go to Homebush. You go to the ANZ Stadium, yeah, there are some other... There's Kudos Bank Arena, there's there's the, the Spotless Showground is there as well. There's a couple of other little arenas as well that they use for some smaller events and for the mm. Easter show. But when you get out there, there's one pub, there's the brewery, which I yep. can tell you on any non-game day or nothing's happening there is a ghost town. And I think there might be a Macca's and a Subway or something else there that are probably, probably don't even open if there's not a sporting event on. So that's sort of... The, the Catch-22 is like, you can build these great things, you can build these great stadiums and you can build the facilities, but they need to be able to sustain themselves. And with Suburban Grounds, it's great because a lot of the times they are within walking distance or very close to commuting distances of some great places of Sydney. But other times it's just, why? what, what, what else is there to add to that game day experience? Well, you make a good point, and ANZ was an example of where
0: I was going because they're sort of turning that into a little bit of a business hub as well, although I know that Commonwealth Bank is looking at moving out of there to Redfern in the next couple of years. But at the end of the day, you've got really nothing happening when there's not a major event, and you're right, it is just deserted. It is almost eerie around there, although the subway does open uh, outside major events because now that they've put tolls on the M4, I have to drive through Olympic Park to get to Leichhardt, but that's my little whinge for another time. (laughs) But in terms of where these stadiums are being built and what you build around them. Is there an argument there for, rather than looking for green space and trying to build entertainment precincts around new stadiums, maybe you go where there's already an existing precinct to build the stadium, which is why they chose to knock down Parramatta Stadium and build Western Sydney Stadium. Because if you're on that Church Street um, dining strip uh, at the uh, northern end of Church Street, away from the auto alley end... Then it's only a six or seven hundred metre walk to the ground, if that. And if you're not, if you chose to go to George Street, then you could still catch the city loop bus that the Parramatta Council's put in.
1: Well, that's right. It's it, it, it's it's about location. It's about having those other facilities around. And yeah, they'll they'll sprout. That yeah, we put the buses on. Yeah, we've got the train out to Homebush. But I don't want to sit on a line to, to wait to go home. I want to. What if I want to stay and hang around and do something else? You, there's no real option. It's you get out of you get out of the game and you wait on it, an hour in a line somewhere. It's just something that can be done better. It, it's just something that you can think about the whole experience. You can think about that going to the new Western Sydney Stadium, and maybe you'll have to treat me, oh Lord Mayor. We'll have to call you the Lord Mayor of Western Sydney as much as I'd, <laughs> I'd hate to call it when you're out there calling at the new stadium. I do I do expect an invite for that first game, but. It, it, it's something where yeah, you could have a bit of an experience. You don't. Oh, we've we've been to leagues club before. We, we might not do that again, but you can. Hey, you, a,
0: you endorsed West Ashfield. Thank you very much. I you meant Paraleagues.
1: I meant Paraleagues. Oh, Thanks the annual cutlet roast. Yeah, the annual Kootenai roast. Yes, that was it. that was what used to get me to the, that. what used to get to me. That's probably another podcast calling grand finals on Triple H and the and the camaraderie with other community stations, but yeah i am not no bad words against West Ashfield I'm talking about the one next to your new home 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 uh, home stadia you uh lord Mayor of everywhere you you're gonna start <laughs> talking about you topolsky how much you get around but um but that's what I mean like you said you can you can go have that 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 restaurant meal that that big Saturday night meal and then you're you're that close to the ground like at Moore Park, even when they build the new stadium there, that it's still a decent walk to try and get back into the city and and find somewhere like that. they're, 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 they're going to improve facilities there for sure, but again, it's very narrow minded. It's what's in the actual stadium. i I can't stress enough. if they want to do something with Homebush, do something with Homebush. Make it something bigger. I, I do know in the last few days, they have announced that, Cricket New South Wales will be moving a lot of their a lot of their um, home base from the SCG out to Homebush because of the new restrictions because of the new stadium there and everything mm-hmm. else that's been built out in that more park area. So they're trying to get things in there but it, it could be just thought out. It, it doesn't have to be sporting people or government people. Get the right people in there say well this is what people want and let's try and get it there. Let's make it a destination and not just for the two weeks of the Easter show and maybe the 10 events that they'll have on there during the year. Make it make it meaningful, make it purposeful, give people reasons to go there and experience it. Well, there, there
0: is an argument when you do look at those inner city stadiums to really make sure that you get the facilities in place, particularly with the NRL six o'clock time slot, because we all know that it's a graveyard slot unless you the New Zealand Warriors, in which case you get to play the game at 8 o'clock local time and everybody's already had the chance. But unless you're in Newcastle or a Canberra, Newcastle where everything's close and Canberra where all the public servants knock off at exactly 5 o'clock, you're going to struggle to get people there because you're not in the city centre and if you are going to have these events Near population bases where everybody's working, such as the CBD, then maybe there is an argument to build those stadiums smack in the middle of those business
1: districts. Well, you can have a look at, at some of the some of the the the, um, the examples overseas. Where I said Madison Square Garden, the most famous arena in the whole world, is built on top of a train station. Mm. It was literally built on top of Thirty Fourth Street Station in the middle of New York. Why there's so much? Why why can't something be built on top of Central Station? Why can't we think outside the box? I probably wouldn't su- suggest building another SCG on top of Central Station, but you could build a, a pretty good arena on top of Central mm. Station. Could you imagine that? You have a, a decent fifteen thousand. St- Stadium that you could play basketball and those tennis masters, and you could have your concerts, and you're on top of Central Station. How easy would it be to get anywhere? Like, is it? It's coming to the point where Sydney needs. It's, Sydney keeps expanding. It keeps expanding, but it just could be used so much better. And it could just, if you used things outside the box and you, you you thought about things a little bit and you got the right people, not just. Government types, sorry, I can't, I won't speak ill of politics in front of you, your Lord Manus, but you get the right people in, you get the right things in place, you, you, you listen to the people, and we could turn these things around, but a lot of these things just seem to be for votes, it's your
0: worship and you're going to start calling me your worship and you're going to show me the due respect, all right? Now,
1: before, yes, your Lord
0: Menace. <laughs> before, we, before we finish, we've got just over seven minutes remaining and we're running out of time just like we do on the bench, except we won't run overtime like we do on the bench. We're not we're allowed going to. To, stick to. We're not allowed to. That's that's true. But the one thing that I do want to get into, going back to the major event side of things, one of the things that was discussed uh, on that bench episode with Tony Domon myself, was the idea of bidding for an event that is a major global event because of our geographic location. Now, we're well away from Europe, we're well away from the US, but does Australia bidding for something like the Women's World Cup? get a bit of a boost given our proximity to the major growing Asian nations of Japan, South Korea, but more importantly, China with their 1.5 or 6 billion people, not that far away from India with another billion people as well, allowing access
1: for those major events into those growing nations. I think it comes back to just when, where, how, why. There's so many factors that go into it. The Women's World Cup, Probably because we have the stadia, we have, we have the capacities, we have these facilities already built. Mm. And yes, you can make that point, but it comes down to the demand as well. It's going to come down to who pays the rights fees. To be fair with the Women's World Cup, I don't think it's going to make too much difference at this point either way. I do think Australia probably would be a good chance because they have a lot of the infrastructure already in place. You move along to the Holy Grail, what is the men's football World Cup, and the the criteria that you have to match to be able to host that are enormous. The the infrastructure that you have to have, the size of the brown envelopes. <laughs> well, if we can get some of those, geez, we could we could pretty solve all the world's problems. But the problem is with Australia is that. We have the capacity stadiums, but due to cricket and AFL, half of them are, are, are oval. They're they're round, whereas the what the men's World Cup dictates that they have to be rectangular ovals. So hmm. you've got the new Perth Stadium, you've got Adelaide Oval, you've got the MCG that can host these sort of events, but because they're an oval and not rectangular, they don't want to they're look round. at them. We're, it's it's again it. it it's not thinking outside the box it comes down to being a bit narrow-minded again is that this is the way we've got to do it. but if Australia was ever to going to host it, they need to get around that around that loophole not loophole but around that regulation. they need to find a loophole in that regulation in order to be able to, to host the World Cup. Melbourne isn't going to ex- double Amy Park. Adelaide's not going to quadruple. That tiny Hindmarsh Stadium where yeah. the the Adelaide United play, the, the the little Perth Oval, NIB Stadium, I think it's called. They're not going to be expanding that anytime soon. For Australia to host it, they need to do that. But the other hurdles before we even think about that, it does come down to that time zone. It comes down to TV, and. As much as you'll probably fight me on this one, Keith, I think while the money still keeps coming out of Europe and the money comes out of the United States, while the TV money comes out of there, Australia will not host the World Cup.
0: Well, i got no problems with Australia not hosting the Men's World Cup because that will make sure that the NRL doesn't get... Suspended for six to eight weeks for the duration of the tournament. Because we all know that if they need access to rectangular stadiums, then that means the NRL is going to be punted somewhere else. So you could see. Well, that's (laughs) true. You could see a lot more games played at Brookvale, or you're more likely to see those games go to the country. But in, in the three and a half minutes we've got left, do you see, given that we've already hosted an Olympics? Twice in Australia, in Melbourne and Sydney, do you see the Olympics coming back with access to that Chinese market, as a which has a, lot, a much more broad requirement for sporting facilities um, rather than something that's very specific, such as a World Cup in the next three minutes and something seconds that we've got
1: left? Well, uh, again, it comes down to TV. I'm, I'm sorry, it does because I know with the Australian Olympics, NBC, who was one of the biggest rights holders for the for the 2000 Olympics, took an absolute bath on it because they couldn't get the advertisers to pay in the time slots to show the games live, and mm. they it just it needs to be in the right time slots. There is the point that yeah, you get access to the big growing nations, but At the end of the day, and it comes to a lot of major events as well, that, yeah, we're in the right time slots for China, but until they know the the players and they know the, the big stars, what's the point? Like... If you take NHL for an ex- for an example, and they want to move into China, and they might want to do it with the big USA versus Canada that we all love seeing at Kudos Bank Arena, that you know, that game is tragic.
0: Up. It is tragic. The standard is awful. Don't
1: claim that that is representative of hockey. Well, they claim it as a USA versus Canada game, but you could run that one in ca- in in China at the moment, and no one would have any clue because they don't know the names and. If they want to expand the markets, they want to do things like that. And yeah, we want to have the Olympics in the big. We want to. It's great to have it in Australia because it's prime time in China. You've got to make them care about it first. You need to have the the foundations, the building blocks in play. They need to know who the big stars are. They need to know who these people are. They need to be engaged by these people before they care about the sport. They need to, in order for them to to want to consume it, they want to watch it. They need to care about it and. Until they do that, until they build those building blocks again, I said, Australia, it's just seen as it's down there and out of the way.
0: Well, we could go on and on and on about all sorts of related topics, but that's where we're going to have to leave our very first one point, episode 1.2 of Splinters the Bench podcast. Uh, you're, you're the very first guest, Measy, so thank you for joining Not me. Not a guest. Well, we'll let you be host on one of the podcasts
1: in the future very soon. Ah, oh, thank you, Your Lord. Man, it's, it's to be to be honest though, it it is a special thing to have this first episode of Splinters. It's something that we've been talking about for a long time. It's something that all of us as a team, not just Keith and myself, are excited about. As as I was saying in the opener, it's going to be so fresh. You're going to be hearing different things every week, whether it's previews, reviews, discussion topics, interviews. It's just going to be able to build on the bench brand for us. And uh, please, please keep subscribe on podcast.com. Keep tuning in. You won't regret it.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Measy. And thank you for tuning in on Triple H 100.1 FM, Triple HFM.com.au or on podcast.com. All our podcasts will be posted on the Bench Facebook page. Stay tuned uh, for our future shows. But for now, it's goodbye from Splinters.